Welcome to Meet the Musicians, Wesseltoft Schwarz Berglund Trio at the Apple Store Kurfürstendamm. Please welcome our guest moderator, Heiko Hoffmann. Um, hello and uh, good evening, everyone. Before we um, start the interview, um, there's going to be a short uh, video clip with one of the songs of the upcoming album, and it's called Movement 17.
So please welcome now Buge Wesseltoft, Henrik Schwarz and uh, Dan Berglund. Welcome, um, Buge and Henrik, you've been working together for quite some years now, but with uh, Dan it's now a whole new thing. I think you've played together for a year or so now, but now there's an album coming up. So can you explain um, how you got together and why? As a trio, you yes. mean? Yes, as, as a trio. Example. Well, I think it was, uh, we talked about to expand our duo. And we both had a big admiration for a long time for Don. I thought he was a wonderful bass player and it uh, felt really natural in the end to, to ask him. I think I was the one who yeah. proposed you, was <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and what was your answer? answer? What, yeah, or what, what did, I mean, did you know Henrik's music at all? No, I, uh, we never Do you want it. this do as your... Uh, <laughs> As your trio. As your <laughs> no, I never. No, we, we never met before, and I didn't know anything about Hendrik. But uh, of course, Boogie, I, we met several times, and I'm listening to him, him a lot. And so I said, uh, no, no, I said yes. <laughs> but but was, why did you say yes? Yeah, well, uh, money. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, I always like to play with. Uh, Buge and uh, he's a fantastic piano player, so that was my first thought. Okay, of course I want to play with Buge. And uh, Buge told me about Henrik and uh, explained uh, his personality and, <laughs> and everything. What he's you still came? Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was only good thing. <laughs> I get, uh, you know, I get uh, get uh, curious about this thing, and mm -hmm. I'm really happy that I say yes. And you were saying that you wanted to expand um, the, the, the format, that it's not just any longer a duo. Um, but why? Did you have the feeling that you've already said everything that you have to say as a duo? Or? No, um, it was just a feeling. I mean, um, we were doing many things um, and uh, we were trying out many things that was always a part of, of our work. Um, by just throwing stuff into one place and, and see what's happening. And so one of the ideas was to expand and, and see what happens. Um, so it, it was kind of a natural development. Yeah. In the beginning, we also tried out with, with the percussion and drums. But I think in the end, I think this is, to me, it's a really, it's a modern piano tree in a way because it's... Uh, it's piano, there's bass, and there's laptop instead of the drums that does all the rhythms and, and the sound effects. And I think it's, it's a wonderful mix to me of, of organic acoustic sound mixed with live treated sounds and, and uh, electronic beats, which I love very, very much. So I think it's, and it still feels very organic to play. Really. And so bass for you, it, it felt more natural to, to work together with a bass player than, for example, instead of a drummer? Kind of, yes, because Henrik is, is a very rhythmic person. Mm -hmm. He comes from rhythmic music, so he really takes care of, of all that rhythmic part in an incredible way. I think that you could never do with a drummer in a way. So. I mean, one thing that you share as musicians is that I think neither of you is really a purist as a, as a musician, but you come from quite different backgrounds. I mean, you two 
done and, and, and Boogie um, are known in the, mostly in the field of, of jazz, though, I mean, quite open and, and Henrik with um, house music. But can you maybe um, share to us what your main inspirations were or what kind of music you've been exposed as, as teenagers or when you, when you really formed your music tastes? Can, can you each... Describe so who's going to start? You. How much time do we have? <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. Well, I, my father is a jazz guitarist. I grew, naturally, I grew up listening to jazz music and American R&B, soul, Jimmy Smith, Tamla Motown music. Uh, then I discovered the, the European ECM stuff and the Nordic jazz, Jan Garbrecht, when I was around 12. I went through punk, and I think in basically 82 was a major change. I, I discovered uh, uh, Kraftwerk, Tangerine Dream, Thomas Dolby, that kind of stuff, and was really drawn to that sound, which has been with me ever since. That mix of sound is very important. Mm. That's also this tree. I have this mix of the electronic sounds with the acoustic sounds. I think that's really fascinating to me. Okay, and Dan? Uh, well, the first band I really liked was Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> and, uh, well... Then I start, I listened a lot to uh, rock, and rock music from the 70s, like Black Sabbath and uh -huh. Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, and also, you know, Sweet, Slade, uh, Motte Hoople, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And uh, later also, I listened a lot to 10CC, it's a mm -hmm. favorite group, Supertramp, uh, Rush. <laughs> So it's surprising that you ended up doing jazz music. Yeah, but <laughs> can't understand it. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, actually, it was when I heard uh, first time I heard uh, Weather Report. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, "Oh shit, there's more music out there." <laughs> yeah. So then I started to live, dig deeper in into that world. And I could imagine that Weather Report is something you could all agree on. Sure. Okay, and Henrik, what have you been... Well, as a kid, I also liked uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Ah. I find that very interesting. Um, but the Just first not say Smokey, please. Uh, no. <laughs> the first music that I actually bought was, was rap uh, that came to Europe, um, and that was completely new. And, and so through rap, I, I discovered, or I wanted to find out what were the samples they were using. And this is how I came to jazz. And uh, so I was after all those old jazz records that had been sampled by rap and hip-hop artists. And, um, and um, then for me the major change was when I heard uh, Jeff Mills play for the first time. Um, when I, I was so hit by the electronic world um, where I suddenly had a, I don't know, I, I had the feeling this is what I, what I want to do. And it, it opened up everything. And uh, so I went through all that hard techno and um and back mm -hmm. and uh so yeah there's many things i, I love to listen to mm -hmm. so now you're back to credence again in a way <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i mean you as a trio you are by no means the, the first people to explore like a fusion of um, electronic or electronic dance music and, and, and jazz music. But still today, in most cases where someone with a background from electronic dance music comes together with someone from the world of jazz music, what happens is that um, you, have to, you have a kind of programmed beat and then the jazz musicians improvise um, to this beat. Mm -hmm. With you, it almost seems the other way around. 
It's true, it's the way, because both the combination of modern technology and Henrik as a very versatile person. We, we, it's, it's, we can start from what we play and he can build stuff live, build a groove, build stuff live from, from, from the scratch, from the music, so we don't have to start with the beat. And that, I think, is the fascinating thing, both with technology and working with Henrik, that it's possible to actually... I mean, I, I see a laptop as an instrument today, absolutely. You can use it, it's a full instrument. And it only depends on the skills of the guy who's running it. Henrik, is, would it be right to say that like starting with a beat and then just have someone improvise, it's like a kind of taboo for, for this group? I don't know if it's taboo for them, but for me it's taboo. <laughs> it's, I find it the most horrible thing you can do. Um, there was a time in, in uh, house music when... Uh, when this got really, really big, like beats and, and some saxophone player or, or, or percussion, uh, it was good for a short period of time, but then it got really, really horrible. And, uh, and I think that's also not what we are after. We, um, or I'm after at least. Um, for me, I'm trying to turn the computer into an instrument. And I would say since maybe three, four years, it's getting kind of serious. Um, where you can really improvise. Um, and um, so there's software out there that really makes you fast. I think that's what it's all about, being fast. Because uh, for them, um, they touch their key or the string and they have a sound. And I want to be in the same position, uh, but the sound would be a different one, of course. And so still now, I might touch a key And it takes a little while till the sound comes out. I mean, what I was looking for, but it's so much faster than a couple of years before. And so that makes it possible now to really play. And, mm. and that's completely different perspective than playing a beat and, and putting some, something over it. That's not what we do. I mean, Booger and Dan, with, with you, I mean, for yourself and for the audience, what you're doing is pretty obvious in the way that you're pressing some keys and you're uh, playing some strings. But when you consider the computer an instrument, I mean, it, this is an instrument that you can do an unlimited amount of things with. So, Henrik, can you just briefly explain, or as an example maybe of, of the song we've, we've just heard, Movement 17, um, how a song takes its, its, its life and how you react to what you hear? Um, it very often starts by them playing, improvising, and I have my uh, two recorders running where I record Boge and Dan at the same time. And, and of course the laptop is already running at a certain speed, um, but it might be a different speed than what they play. And so when I hear something um, from their playing that I have the feeling this could be something, then I, I grab it and I drop it into the speed that I'm having. And then I throw it back at them. And so if everything goes right, <laughs> which happens sometimes, uh, <laughs> but not very often, then, um, then we have an interesting new line. And they listen and then they start to jam with this new line that might be rhythmically completely different than before or uh, might be pitched into some other place or maybe runs backwards or like thousand possibilities. And, and then 
something starts. And then you've pre-selected certain sounds or certain rhythms that you add to it? No, it's all made in real time. And mm. um, so it can be some hit on the chair or on the table that I'm recording and, and then I make a beat out of it or, yeah. or just from the noise that comes from the room. Because when we all play together, there's, there's always something going on. And, and if, the, if you have the microphone open, you get all those crackles. And, and, and so that makes the beat in the end. Yeah, I, I, I think it's amazing when we, we've done some concert and uh, we play and I play something and after 10 seconds, I hear that in a different pitch or did I play that? <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that. It's, Mm -hmm. Amazing, it's yeah, fantastic. And Dan, you're especially known for your work in the in the trio EST. Yeah. And um, with, with, with that trio, you've already worked with electronics. And Booger, I mean, over the years, you've done tons of, of stuff with, with electronic music. So what's the difference in this format, how electronic music is used? Or electronic instruments. Well, for, for me, it's uh, quite big difference because in EST we only use like the <clears throat> uh, like a guitar player use uh, like pedals, like distortion, mm. wah wah effects. And effects. But uh, we never used a computer, mm -hmm. so this is new for me. And for you, Booker? Well, I've been doing it yeah, since, uh, I mean, back in 96. Mm. Uh, I had a guy called Jan Bang in my group. He's the mm. Punkt Festival guy. Mm -hmm. And he made a thing out of live resampling, like live sampling. Um, so for me, to me, the, the biggest, of course, difference is Henrik and his personality and his taste in music, which create this music that I like very much, this kind of organic sound, you know. So mm -hmm. This is the biggest difference, I suppose. And, I mean, you also have lots of projects going on outside of this group. And I think in each of these other groups, each of you is a kind of leader of the group. I suppose, yes. I mean, so I how does it that. work when the three of you uh, work together? Is there, like, one leader in the group? Um, yes, me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are very equal. I mean, most of us, we record every concert. What we do is we start kind of free, and, and, uh, and these concert recordings, we listen to it afterwards, and we pick out the parts we like, and we do something on with it. Um, but of course, it, there, I agree that it has to be, if not a leader, but one who, who would master the decision. So in this group, I would say it's Henrik. I mean, you'd been doing the editing and the arranging of the album. We, we did endless hours of live recordings at the wonderful Schloss Elmau. Uh, and out of that, Henrik chose kind of stuff, and we listened to it, and we chose the stuff that we liked most, and then he edited it as the kind of the master brain. So I would say it's, it's you're the master brain of this trio. Yeah, I agree. We write under there somewhere. Okay. Um, you recorded your upcoming album at a place that at least I would normally associate with um, experimental um, music. And that was at the Castle Almau in, um, in Bavaria, uh, the, which is the place where the next G8 summit is uh, going yeah. to take place. How did it come that you recorded the album right there in this castle? Well, we, I think, have you been there before? No, no. I was the one who has yeah, been, been there. there. Yeah. 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 Huh. Me and Boge, not together, but uh, we've been there lots of times. Maybe I've been there 
10 times. Maybe? As hotel guests yeah. enjoying your life. Yeah, they they have fantastic. a wonderful culture program, basically. Yeah, they spend yeah. efforts into uh, presenting good culture, mm -hmm. music and arts. So they have a, every week there's two or three concerts. So, and then um, instead of uh, enormous, our normal enormous fees, uh, we get to stay <laughs> for three, four days, enjoy fantastic food and, yeah. and uh, yeah, having a very good time. And so you were asked to um, play a concert there and thought, okay, while we're there, we could also just... Actually, we asked this time to, if we could come and record and then do a concert at the end, which was okay for them. So I'm very happy with that. Mm -hmm. And um, on the album, I think it's... It tends. Uh, it seems to me that often the album is uh, the the piano is starting something, and then the rest follows. And the electronics, it's very restrained. There's no bass drum at all. Is that the right impression? Um, uh, this time the the electronic is maybe a bit more. How would I say? Um, there was a very rough energy in the electronic and the piano on our first album. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea of the second one was to, to get things more under control. Um, and, and this is what we probably did. And for me, it's always, we are always searching for a balance. And uh, so there's no, none of the instruments should be ahead of the others, maybe for a, a little time, but, but we all agree that um, for example, a grand piano sounds even more beautiful if you add a digital noise to it. So both mm. of the sounds get more beautiful. Yeah, the uh, digital noise sounds more beautiful mm -hmm. with the piano and the other way around. And it's the same with the bass. And so, so this is how we approach the pieces and the sound to just get that right balance so everything is helping each other. So, And um, I mean, probably in every genre of music, but I've got the feeling in jazz especially, it's, it must be really difficult to um, find your own language as a musician because there's such a big tradition to, so to come up with something that's distinctively your own. It, it, it must be quite difficult. Do you find it easier if you... Um, get together like in this group with people who have back different backgrounds and um, maybe come even from different genres to create something new? It's probably true. I mean, uh, most new things, nothing new comes from nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. mostly every new thing that comes along comes from a mixture of old ideas and elements. So I think this is a very good way of trying to create something new. So it's at least been my, and as he said, this mixture of the acoustic and the electronic sounds I'm very into sound, love sounds, and I think this is a wonderful combination and a fresh sound. Obviously, because laptop is a new tool on the, in music, but this creates a new sound, a fresh way of thinking music, which I think is uh, incredible, really. But also in the way how we play it, I think. <coughs> There's one track on the album, um, Round Midnight, by uh, The Lonely's Monk, and uh, I, I really wanted to have a standard, a jazz standard on the album, to show how would we play it. And we were discussing a lot about the concept of how would we play a standard that is unique. Mm -hmm. Because there's, I don't know, there's hundreds and hundreds of versions of this piece out there. And there's a few that really stand out. And uh, so we were asking ourselves, so how would our version sound like? Mm -hmm. What would it be? 
And this has been, for me at least, a very important track on the album because we really we played only what was really necessary. <laughs> and um, yeah. and I think we found a, a nice combination. And, and for me, this is this is our sound, and uh, we can hear what we do. And um, Booger, you at least you've always emphasized that um, at heart that you're someone who likes to improvise with music and you don't really like to um, repeat yourself. So once this, this album is out and you're going to perform, I, I assume that you're somehow going to perform <laughs> the songs of the album. Is this uh, like a contradiction for it's you? It's always been a discussion. <laughs> But it's... Uh, what, what's the discussion? No, whether to do, uh, to stick to a plan or to do new things. But out of our recordings, I think there's always very interesting moments when we do a concert, free moments. And... Um, And, but this in combination with the, how do I explain this? Uh, what we do on the album is not really compositions, it's more like uh, flow, but it's a frame of sounds and a little melody. But when we come with the melody or exactly when the beat will come in, that can differ from time to time. So, so that is to try to capture the level of energy that is between us and with the audience and just to try to capture the That is, but that is what I love with improvised music. Is I see it as a unique art form in the sense that it's one of the maybe the almost only art form where you where the uh, listener, the audience, are exposed to something that's happening right there, and it's not prepared or anything. And that I think it's a, it's it's a, I love that. <laughs> you know, I'm really that's why I'm, I'm very proud to call myself a jazz musician. Okay. Do you have anything to add? No, I mean, I agree upon that. Uh, uh, for me, it's very important to to make. If you don't have to make new things and invent new things every night, but uh, it's in, it's really really important to have the freedom to mm -hmm. to do it if you want. And otherwise, I get bored. <laughs> But but Henrik, as, as as someone coming from from a house, you also must to you also must love repetition. I love repetition, um, but more in a in a smaller <laughs> uh, unit, um, of course. Um, so I wouldn't. I think maybe I wouldn't be a good pop musician that is, they are playing exactly the same piece mm -hmm. every night again and again and again. Um, Or classical. Um, and. Um, I agree with Bouguer now. I mean, it's, it has been a discussion with us since the very start. Um, how much freedom <laughs> should be there? And um, so I strongly believe that if there's a, I, I would call it a concept, Bouguer said it's a frame or something. Um, if there's a strong concept for a piece, you can be very free, even more free if there's no concept. Mm -hmm. Because if, if there's no concept, then you, you can get lost, even, even if this is something we also like doing, by just, we ju might just say we play a piece now, mm -hmm. also on stage, uh, where we just start playing, and, and we don't know what's going to happen, not at all. This is something we like doing, because that's how we create new new pieces, because sometimes we find something really nice. Um, but I believe that with this new material we have, um, the frame probably got a bit stronger. Mm. Um, and I hope 
that we can play even freer than before. So okay. let's see what, what happens. Um, right. you, need, you need a core to break. If, if, if everything is free, it's mm -hmm. impossible. So you need something to, to be free of, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, there's nothing such a thing as a completely free thing. Okay. You need a frame. Bogdan, <laughs> um, Henrik, that's it for me. Thank you. But um, if any of you have questions, please raise your hand and the microphone will come to you. Thank you. Uh, my question is actually, is there a, a central, because I haven't actually, I must admit, I haven't heard it yet. Is there a central theme to Trialogue um, that makes it a necessity to, to, to have it uh, published as an album, actually? Or would you, would you be open for, to say, in the future probably as well, if there isn't one, uh, to release uh, single songs whenever they are ready, basically? I mean, with the modern technology, that's probably easy to do. Um, what would you say? It's a very interesting question, really, um, which I thought a lot about because, uh, for example, Manfred Aish here at ECM, he only wants to, to present albums. He says that is his format. But, uh, but uh, if you look at music historically, it's always been uh, reluctant on the format it's done. I mean, it started with singles, then it was possible to make an LP, then came the cassette, then came the CD even longer. Uh, and now with the, again, digital distribution, people tend to listen to tracks again. And so I think that that will basically in itself uh, define the future of uh, music. And I think more and more artists will tend to do, also because probably it will be too expensive to record a full album, because people, which is in one way a pity. I mean, my child, my youth was buying a vinyl, open it up and, and read the artwork while turning the page. And uh, I was, you know, me and my friend, we were quiet for, The double album, you could be quiet for <laughs> one and a half hour. You know? yeah. So, but th those times have changed, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for bad. It can also be good, and it will, whether you want it or not, it will change music, and it can be also very interesting. It can refresh your mind, make you think different. I think also that um, an album is still today a very strong statement compared to a single. I mean, singles you can do, and. Uh, As I'm anyway a person that I like, I like when music also uh, lays there for a while like a good wine. And then I leave it there for half a year and then I listen again and just to find out is this, is this still good today? And, and so if you do that for a while then um, you might have a collection of songs that make sense as an album. And also you wouldn't be able to do a promotion or you wouldn't be able to do a proper cover and, and that's all stuff that for me because I also come from a time when you bought vinyl records I don't know if that's the problem but but um, I somehow I like to do that to put it in a proper sleeve or, or make an artwork have discussions because there's many people involved if you do an album if you do a single this is something you can Of course you can do it, and there might be, I'm sure we also will do pieces where we, we say, yeah, this can be a single, we just release it. Um, and, but this then I think so, that would be something that I probably wouldn't even want to sell, then mm -hmm. just give it away, yeah, and, and, and that would be okay yeah, in a way. Yeah, I just need to say one more. Of course, I really always hated hits, this kind of three-minute-long radio, made-for-the-radio thing. So, but one thing I would like to explore is the possibility to make long tracks, like a 12-minute 
one thing. Mm -hmm. That was our love about electronic music. Yeah. When I grew, we did, started to buy 12 inches and stuff, 15, 16 minutes long tracks, fantastic. Because you need time to get into a mood. To listen to a song for three minutes, it's just stupid, to be honest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any more questions? Okay, then thank you all for coming and um, thank you, Bugge, Dan and Henrik. Thank you. Thank you.